just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. What I was just checking was because you're from Omaha. That's correct. And I just uh, interviewed Adam Devine. And oh yeah, he's from Omaha too. He is also from Omaha. Yeah, we didn't, didn't know each other because you're young. Or he's, no, he's. You were going to say it, but yes, he is younger. He's than, younger. He's younger he's than younger. I am. Um, Listen, everyone's younger than me these days. Which is, <laughs> I used to be the young one, and now I'm the oldest all the time. So no, 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 no. Well, there's older out there. The um, but Adam and I met, uh, we didn't meet until uh, we were both in LA. And then we worked, oh. we worked on, I think the first thing we worked on together was a movie called Why Him with Brian Cranston uh, that we did. We both just had sort of like little parts in and we were on the set together. And then later we did The Intern together with Nancy Myers. Oh, um, yeah. And we had a couple, I don't even know, I don't think we had scenes together, but we were on set together a lot and during that process. But And then, as it always happens in life, then anytime I went to Omaha for like a holiday or something, I would see him in the airport or I would see him like at a restaurant. <laughs> like, never saw him before, but then all of a right. sudden. Right, right. Yeah. I think that just happens. It does just happen. But we used to see yeah. each other at an airport bar in Omaha called Cracky McGee's. Oh. <laughs> it's one of those bars that serves crack? Yes. It was a crack An bar. An Irish bar. <laughs> An Irish crack bar. <laughs> but yes. Oh, boy. From Omaha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we've already started, by the way. This is, I, I'm uh, talking to Andrew Rannells. Who, uh, are you Andrew all the time, or are you ever Andy? Too? I am. I am Andy uh, at home in Omaha. So I was just. Okay. I was just in Omaha for Fourth of July, and I'm still very much an Andy. But we can't have two Andys on this interview. Well, I mean, I'm. I'm still waiting to see if Andy Williams will be on. Oh, that'd be great. I can't, I can't remember if he's still alive. Well, if he's not, but- that'd be even more of a get. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask him about the whole Coke spoon thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, now I mentioned it, Omaha. I mean, it's it's actually people hear Omaha, Nebraska, uh-huh. and they think snooze. Um, when actually, it's kind of a bustling metropolis, is it not? It is. It's a it's a bustling metropolis, and they. I have to say, every time I go back, I was nineteen when I moved, so I was not like fully aware of like the, what the city had to offer. But over the past, you know, twenty five years going back, um, they really do a nice job of revitalizing like 
their downtown area and yeah. they I mean yes it is a huge there's a, a big suburban sprawl there but um but they also they do a nice job of like actually using the space that that they have and using older buildings and which I appreciate I appreciate that they they use those old neighborhoods and now there's a lot of like you know young fun like little hipster folk running around yeah isn't that weird I, it's, it's like, really weird you, for me it's more the suburbs of Chicago but ah. there seem to be like hipsters in the suburbs of Chicago, which I just am like, what are you doing out here? Shouldn't you be, yeah. <laughs> you know, you in the city? Else? No, I guess you can yeah, be, yeah. you could be a hipster anywhere. It turns out. Yeah. No, it, it's, it, it seems like that. I, but the, you know, my, my son is an, is an artist. He's, he's just finishing up college and he talks about, you know, how there's amazing art opportunities in Tulsa. Really? Um, yeah. Like they, that they are trying to attract, artists with incentives or grants or something to come populate downtown Tulsa, which is not what you'd expect from Tulsa. No, but that's, that's very cool. You know, I, I felt like, and I don't know if you felt the same, like when I was in high school, I, I, well, I mean, specifically I wanted to be on Broadway. So there's only one place to do that. And that is New York city. So I had no other option to do that, but I see it with my nieces and nephews now that like, you know, there's there are more options like that. For me, it was like I had tunnel vision on New York. Yeah. I was like, I got to go yeah. to New York. And now it seems like there's other places you can yeah. go. But I that Broadway, well, it is so, that's yeah. It. I mean, where else are you going to go? Yeah. Nowhere. I mean, I guess maybe London, but, true. you know, because there's, you know, in terms of English language theater, it yeah. would be kind of London. But even then. Well, and I wanted to do musical theater, which is yeah. so specifically American. Yes, it exists in the West End, but that is a a very American thing to focus on. Yeah. 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 I didn't have the skill set for Shakespeare, Andy. I was not, um, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I don't have the attention span I for mean, Shakespeare. I've, I've, I, I've run into a lot of issues with this and I always say the wrong thing. Like I remember having a conversation with Oscar Eustace, um, who runs the public theater. And he asked, yeah. he asked me about like doing Shakespeare in the park. And I said, why, why, <laughs> which my friend, Nikki James was with me and she was horrified because she's done several shows at the Delacorte in the summer. And I was like, I can't do that. I just can't. The words, all the words. It's so much, you remember. so much talking, not enough faces. Yes. Come on. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I don't think I, I, I don't think it's true because I think the last thing, the last Shakespeare thing I saw was a Shakespeare in the Park, which I do, I am like a fan of yeah. stagecraft and art direction. Like I do like shows, you know, I like any of that uh, Cirque du Soleil stuff, I'm there for the, the, you know, like all of a sudden the stage opens up and there's a 15 foot diving pool, you know, like that shit I love. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But I saw, um, I think it was a Midsummer Night's Dream and it was one more than I said, but because previous to that, I went and saw Shakespeare, somebody else's idea. And I just sat there and I thought, I'm a grown man. I don't have to do this. Like, I don't have to do this anymore. Like, I don't. I And if somebody were to say like, oh, he's the great. I'd be saying like, okay, that's great for you. Yeah. But I do not get much out of this. Well, I, there you go. I don't know what they're talking about half the time. 
It's a lot and of. I think that's yeah. useful. It's a lot of. Uh, it's a lot of. De- you know, code deciphering sometimes. Yes, that, which I yeah, think people yeah. really enjoy. I and on, right. a, on a certain level, that's it's fun to do sometimes. But yeah, it, it, it you know, I I because I was introduced to a lot of that material by way of musicals. Like I remember the, oh, yeah. the first time seeing like a production of Romeo and Juliet and being like, oh, that's Maria. And that's Tony. <laughs> and that's oh, I thought Riff. you were going to talk about Kiss Me Kate or something. Well, you know? I but I put it with West Side Story. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. That, now I understand what's happening. I understand. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Throw some songs oh, in there. It. Now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to go, I, just because it crossed my mind and I, I think, when you were, like, when you left Omaha to go to New York City, I mean, like you said, you only had one choice where you could really go to do what you wanted to do. But was there also kind of a, like, I got to get out of Omaha? Yeah, no, I definitely felt that uh, pressure. Yeah. I mean, I think for a few reasons, like wanting to be an actor, a number one, being gay was a big one too. Like, I was like, I can't, Mm. I can't really imagine what my life was going to be like here, you know, especially in the nineties in Omaha. I was like, I just can't, I can't see it working out. Um, now I don't know what the, you know, probably be a lot of different options, but, um, but yeah, at the time, yeah, I felt like it's, I gotta, I gotta get out of here. I gotta, I gotta get, and I did think about like a couple other places. Like I thought, well, maybe I, I could go to, I remember going to visit, um, the uh, San Francisco State, um, that campus. Because I, yeah. I was, you know, like a lot of teenage boys who go to all boys Catholic schools, I was really obsessed with Jack Kerouac. And I was like, I'm going to San Francisco and finding some Benzies. And I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to live. I'm going to live in San Francisco. And I got there. I'm going to be one of the cool kinds of alcoholics. Yeah, I want to just hitchhike. Yeah. But um, I got there and I was like, this isn't for me. I just got to go. I got to go to New York. But I did think about it for about a month. I was like, maybe I'll go to San Francisco first. But it didn't didn't work out. It didn't work out. I mean, was there an age when you knew, like, okay, I got to be in Broadway. I got to... In on with Broadway, you know, I got to soak it up. Yeah, I was watching the the Tony Awards one summer and, you know, pre-internet, it was like that was the one window of time a kid from the, you know, Midwest or anywhere outside of New York could see what was happening on Broadway were the yeah. Tony Awards. And I watched this number uh, from a musical called Falsettos, and it was it's this great musical that James Lapine and William Finn wrote, and it was nominated for a Tony that year, and they did this performance, and it was not only really funny and really cool, but it was also about gay people, and like the two leads of it were gay, and I was like, I got to do that. That's what I want to do. Um, and piecing that together in my mind, like I, I guess that's the... I'm going to do musical theater on Broadway and that's going to be what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's my job. And it, and it was, did you, did you vocalize that to anybody? I did. And like a lot of kids who vocalize things like that, I was told it was nonsense Yeah, that I needed a backup plan because, because it, it kind of is, it kind of is nonsense. <laughs> you know, I know. They're not wrong. They're not, you know. they're not incorrect, but I was yeah. told all through high school and that like, that was not, you know, I should have a backup plan and I should, 
Yeah. I should really. And my parents were, were, they didn't come on too strong about that in terms of like, you should study something else in addition. Like they just kind of let me figure out like what school I was going to go to and how I was going to pay for it. And like, you know, I got scholarships and I auditioned for, you know, like any sort of grant I could get at that time, like to pay for school. And, and they were very supportive, but they just didn't really know how to do it. You know, they didn't have any, they didn't have any of that info. So I sort of made that plan and did it. And I remember um, getting into school and being like, well, I got a I got a full scholarship to this school in in New York City and I'm moving in August and and that was it and I just told them and they were like oh okay um well <laughs> best of luck <laughs> good luck good luck with that <laughs> and they they took me to New York and they literally dropped me off at a dorm yeah. and that was it and they were they were on their way I, I mean I have older kids and now you know I just got married to somebody that had a daughter so I have a 22-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a three-year-old. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like I'm really kind of looking, you know, I've been thinking a lot about parenting in a very holistic kind of way. And I just wonder, with that kind of light touch approach that your parents had, kind Uh of like without stating any heavy preference for what they expected of you, I mean, were you okay with that at the time? Did that seem like, did you want them to kind of, push you in one direction or another or, you know, or was it just kind of that's how it was and why, why worry about it? I mean, that's a good question. I think, um, I think at the time I was, I was really determined and I was very focused on what I wanted to do. And because they maybe didn't have the, uh, experience or the the sort of vocabulary that I needed, particularly when it came to when it came to studying acting or you know the arts in general. Like they they didn't know a lot about that, and they told me that that they were like, "This is we can't really help you a ton when it comes yeah. to like picking out us. We don't know what you're looking for. We don't know what the best answer is." Um, and again, this was at a time where like it wasn't a simple Google search away of, you know, well, what is a liberal arts education in New York City? Or, you know, so, so at times, yes, I would have loved them to have been more hands-on and, and more maybe dug in with me a little bit more when it came to the research and it came to things like that. Now, long-term, I would say having to do that on my own, uh, did make me more determined and it did make me I mean, I, I, there was no room for failure when I got to New York because I was like, well, this is the plan that I made and I don't have a backup. And I, I very much kind of had that, not in a resentful way, but in a, I'll show them, like, I'll show them that I can do this. I'll show them yeah. that I can make these decisions. And, yeah. you know, it's lonely at times. It's, it's, uh, was scary at times. And I made, yeah. I made a lot of mistakes, but like, And my mother hates hearing about it now that, you know, some of those, you know, some of those years that were pretty lean and bleak in New York, like she does not like to hear about those. Um, Hmm. But that was all kind of, that was all part of making a life. You know what I mean? Like that was just. What does she not like about it? Does it some to seem, it reflects on her mothering or something? No, I think that she just doesn't like to think about me upset or lonely or depressed or, you know, the idea that she was in Nebraska and I'm, you know, you know, far away in New York city, you know, alone, 
yeah. sort of struggling. But like at the time, I don't know how you feel about it, but when you're tw- in your early 20s like that, I didn't necessarily feel like I was like struggling. I was just sort of in the middle of it. So I didn't yeah. I didn't feel horribly depressed by it. But like, yes, and yeah. when looking back on that kid and being like, well, yeah, that was that there was there were some tough years there. But and when you're in the throes of it, I don't yeah. know, you're just kind of doing it. And everyone well, yeah, and don't... everyone around me was doing it. So Right. And yeah. I think that that's what, you know, that's like you know, the transition from child to adult it, it's it can be really miserable. And I mean, and like in, in a way that is garden variety. Yeah. You know, it's like it's you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah, no, I know that's really stressful and really awful and sometimes you feel like What's the point of it all? And and you don't know if you're going to make it through it. But yeah, that's kind of that's it's what happens. Kind of it. That's how it. Yeah. So your your 22 year old son, yes, that's, yes. So yes. Do, when he comes to you with those thoughts or those feelings, like, do you? I mean, do you say like, yeah, you got to just kind of roll through it? Yeah, yeah. And I don't think that it's very a very helpful answer <laughs> but i mean i don't know what else to tell him. i know yeah you know it's the same thing he has my same i, I you know whether you call it add or just like i just can't get homework done Got like it. i have real troubles getting homework done and until the very last minute and even then get an extension on the last minute so i get another last minute to okay through. and he definitely has that same thing and thank God, like his younger sister doesn't, because she oh. once told me, like, why doesn't he just do a little bit of his work every night rather than leaving it all right till the end? And I was like, that's like saying, why doesn't that alcoholic just stop drinking? You yeah. know, I'm like, because that's just not how it is. No. And he, he, you know, I've I've tried to commiserate with him and say, yeah, it. I know, I know what you're going through, and yeah, there's no magic answer. You just kind of you got to do your homework. Yeah. You know, it just, you got to, and it, and however you can find, and you know, there's different strategies that, you know, specialists sure. will tell you, sure. but it's like, no, you just got to do it. And yeah. And, you know, and, and being worried about the future and being worried, you know, frankly, now, you know, he's transitioning into an area where, you know, he's, I, I, I'm not paying for everything, Yeah, I, you know, and it's, and that, that transition is, is very difficult, but it's like, well, of course, you're not going to starve and you're not going to be homeless. But, yeah, you really got to yeah. figure out how to make money, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, no, and that's that's very much what my parents did to me or for me yeah. was that I was just responsible for all of that when I got to New York. So it's, you know, it's daunting. But I think if I had kids that were at that age, like, yeah, I would – you know, I would help when I could, but for the most part, you do eventually. You're going to have to figure it out. So, yeah, I don't know if it's if it's is it a better lesson to learn at 21? Because I've seen people, I've worked with people, I grew up with people who like whose parents sort of, you know, helped them all through their 20s, and then they still yeah. go through it at 30, and it's yeah, and yeah. it's not a good look to be like yes, 32 yes. and be like, I don't know how to pay my bills. You're like, that's, <laughs> that's not, how do you write a check? Yeah. yeah. Like I, I was lucky that I figured that out, you know, early, but yeah. I, I certainly, and I was, I was resentful of my peers whose parents helped them who paid, mm-hmm. who paid for apartments and they had allowances and, um, and it's, 
and now, you know, at 44, I'm like, well, I'm, I'm actually glad my parents didn't do that because I like, yeah. I've, I had to sort that out on my own. Um, and I'm glad that they, they didn't because everybody has to go through it at some point, unless you're like a trust fund kid who just can always yeah. do that. <laughs> right. Exactly. Then you've got, you, you've got a, a lifelong teat to uh, nurse from. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have, did you have a, a, like a series, did you get to New York and have to get like a series of shitty jobs? Yeah, I did all the shitty jobs. Um, yeah. The only thing that I didn't really do was wait tables because I uh, was not qualified. I mean, it turns out it's like kind of hard to get a, a, a waiting job in New York. Yeah. Um, yeah. They want references and they want, and I couldn't do that. So I was a host at several restaurants um, I did coat check. I did, I worked at some gyms. Um, I worked at the Warner brothers store as a greeter. That was a real low point. Oh. Yeah. Oh my God. That was, you gotta, be, Oh yeah. Talk about acting. Oh my God. And then, you know, mixed in, I did all of those horrible things that like young performers do like promote, like pro- handing out like promotional flyers. Like I remember, oh, yeah. I remember doing that in times square for the big apple circus and being like, you know, 20 years old maybe and having to like wear some like dumb sweatshirt and be like, do you guys like clowns? Like who wants to see the circus? And like <laughs> I I and just like standing in the cold with like a stack full of flyers, nobody wanted to talk to me. Um for some reason I was paired with a girl who took it very seriously. And mm-hmm. I just started slowly throwing my flyers away in street trash cans and was like, fuck this. Um, and she was like, you can't, Andrew, you can't, you can't throw them away. We have to pass them out. And I was just like chucking them. And I was like, <laughs> see you later, Lindsay. Yeah. Look, I'm done for the day. I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Oh, yeah. Terrible, that is, terrible. That is, that is, well, you, uh, you mentioned you in your new book, Uncle of the Year. Uncle of the Year. Um, you mentioned that uh, you, you know, when you got there, you did start going to through the audition process. Yeah, and then it, you do say you got you did fairly well with voiceover. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And did that start fairly early on, or was that kind of? That started when I was in Omaha, actually, and I, I did a lot of work at this as a kid um, at this community, like this children's theater, and through this weird series of events, um, this company called Deke D I C that at the time was owned by Disney, um, who made Saturday morning cartoons, came to Omaha to audition some actors to see if they could do what I now understand was non-union voiceover work. I didn't know, uh, I didn't know from a union at 16 yeah, years yeah. old. Right. So they just say, do you want to read these things? that will be on TV. And yes. You go, yes. So I got a job. I got a, a Saturday morning cartoon that, um, yeah, that recorded in Omaha and we did it for, I did that all, for a while for like all through high school and then started, then a couple more series came my way. And this was all in Omaha, which is pretty crazy. So then, and I did commercials and things like that. So then when I got to New York, I really wanted to keep doing that. And I was able to do some of it through that company, through Deke. But then I um, got hooked up with this company called Four Kids Entertainment that did like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh! And, and they had all of these shows that they were producing in like around 2000, 2001. And so I just kind of jumped on their bandwagon and that was, that became 
like my real like sort of day job, quote unquote, while I was auditioning for theater, um, was doing these. Is like, this in New York, or is this still this, still this back was, in Omaha? This was in New York. Yeah, the, all the the Pokemon stuff was in New York. Um, do you still do you have copies of those? Like, or you know, they're floating around. Yeah, seeing kids watching a Pokemon cartoon and being like, "That's me." Yeah, those kids. Yeah, they because they weren't even born when I was doing it, and now yeah. all of that stuff is on youtube and so i get kids who come up with like playing cards and like they've they've tracked me down on a lot of these weird shows wow yeah it's pretty it's very humbling um but super grateful that that was my job you know that i got i got to do that for a long time yeah it's it's great work i love doing voiceover like if i honestly i'm at well i'm just at the point like if i could make a living just doing voiceover yeah i would be absolutely okay with that you know oh, i mean i and i'm you know lucky that i still get to do a lot of it um yeah i do a lot still do a lot of animation and um some commercial stuff and yeah i love I, I love doing it it's it's mm-hmm. real fun it's real fun to do justin and so good thousands of summer deals at your nordstrom rack store Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Can't you tell my love's a crow? You know, you mentioned that you you know, when you first got to New York City, that transition from Omaha, live with your folks to New York City, Broadway, which can chew you up and spit you out, and <laughs> and New York City, which can chew you up and spit yeah. you out. Yeah, and I am I can imagine that New York City gay life can chew you up and spit you out. Yeah, I mean, was there ever a point where you where you thought where you thought about giving up, or where you thought whether you just felt like this is too much? I. I had like one hour where I thought I should seriously go move to Orlando and work at a a theme park. Mm. I I remember thinking that at one point being like, my life would be so much easier if I just worked in a theme park. And Mm. cause I had to have dental. Yeah. I had friends that went and did it and I was like, I should maybe just do that, but I didn't do that, but I did. uh, I had a a handful of like really close calls for different Broadway shows and didn't get them and was feeling really discouraged. And at 23 was feeling really old and really like just kind of like beat around. And I was like, it's never going to happen for me. Like 
I should just stop. And that's when I, I, I accepted a job at that four kids entertainment directing cartoons. And I became like, I directed two series for about two and a half years. I worked for them and stopped. Voice direction or the voice, direction voice, of the whole thing? Voice okay. direction. Um, yeah. They were acquired shows, mostly from Japan that we yeah. just, we just had to redub. So there was like a little bit of like editing work that I had to sort of like figure out in terms of like, but whatever for timing. And, but most of it was just the, the voiceover direction. Um, mm-hmm which I liked and it was very stable and there was insurance and there was a retirement plan. And there were all of these things that I was like, it's so nice just to have a paycheck. But after about two and a half years of that, I was like, uh, I'm not done. I was, I was 25 and I was like, I want to, I want to go back to auditioning. And then was it keeping you from auditioning? The schedule didn't allow? It was because, yeah, because, I mean, it was a full time. I mean, there were long days of yeah. of recording. So, yeah, there was yeah. no room to, to like, skip out for an audition. So, but then I, I quit that job. And I just, I quit rather impulsively. I walked into my boss's office and I was like, I'm going to give my two weeks notice. I mean, there was no contract or anything. It was just, and I I quit and said, you know, I told them what I wanted to do that. I was like, I want to, I want to try this Broadway thing again. And I want to audition. And, and they literally laughed at me, um, (laughs) that they were like, that's, yeah, they were like, that's, I mean, best of luck, but this is a huge mistake and you can always come back. And, and then I quit and just started auditioning. And I did, I did one show off, 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 off Broadway. Um, which was pretty terrible, but really fun, called It's Karate Kid, comma, the musical. And, mm. uh, <laughs> but while I was doing that, then I w- w- got an audition for a, a Broadway show for Hairspray. And and that's that was the first Broadway show that I booked. So yeah. it, it like, yeah, it ended up working out, but, you know, it was a real... I just had to sort of uh, trust my gut on that one and be like, I don't, I can't stay in this job. I guess, I think I just, I remembered at 25, I was like, you moved here to do one thing and you've lost yeah. sight of it. And yeah. you need to, it, you need to give it another shot before you call it a day. So were there people in your life who were sort of saying to you, you know, aren't you going to get back to that? Isn't that, was it, you know, did you have encouragement from people to kind of say like, what are you doing? Just directing the yeah, yeah. cartoons. I did. Yeah. yeah, I did. But it was mostly just like an anxiety that was growing inside of me that was, yeah. and I'm glad that I had the, you know, I, it's, it's funny to think about that at 23, I was like, I'm too old. I'm too old to continue. Yeah. Um, and then at 25, something clicked that I was like, you're not that, you're not that old. Get out there. Yeah. And it's, you can, yeah, you can really, I think even now too, I think the world is, is different just in terms of ages. Cause I think you can, you can fuck around like all the way up to 30. (laughs) 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 You can can really kind of, don't give up. Keep trying. You know, and yeah. by fuck around, I just mean keep trying on the long shot. Yeah. You know, yeah, you've got to pay bills and stuff, but you don't have to really. No. You, you, don't, know, have to, you don't have to lock it settle. in. Settle. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to settle. When you get to 30, like I do think there is a point <laughs> where you do sometimes you got to settle. Like yeah. you got to go, look, 
maybe I'm not going to be an astronaut. Yeah. And so I'll yeah. stop. I mean, I have the suit, I know, but I don't, <laughs> but so far NASA is not calling. Um, <sighs> I also wanted to ask, because you mentioned it about, about like, I can only imagine what it's like to be young and gay from Omaha and move to New York City. Yeah. And can you speak to like what, you know, what that meant to your identity and like, were you excited? Were you terrified? Were you all those things? Because it certainly is a lot easier to be gay in New York York. City. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was, um, I was all of those things. I, it took me a while to, to sort of figure out what my life was going to look like in general in New York. You know, I was in, I was in school. And so a lot of those questions were sort of answered for my, you know, for me in terms of like where I was living and what my days looked like. I was going to, you know, taking, you know, I was in classes all day and had a job at night. And I found myself like a, you know, a, a really cute, like liberal arts boyfriend who was like oh. really sort of like moody and you know it was like it was great so like my first <laughs> moody my, and unemployed like yeah. liberal arts people are yeah he was like a night he was like a year older he was like n- real 90s looking like he was cute and yeah um so that was fun and i did all of that but it wasn't until uh a few years after I I left school and was working that I really kind of figured out like what that gay scene was for me because you know coming out in the 90s or becoming aware of my sexuality in the 90s especially like within the context of like community theater in Omaha and stuff there was a lot of uh you know big picture there was a lot of um uh, fear about AIDS at the time and HIV. Yeah. So <clears throat> sex seemed s- still very dangerous to me in my yeah. mind at that age. And some of the examples that I had around me, you know, of guys, adults that were doing, you know, community theater with me, a lot of them were sick and that scared the hell out of me that yeah. like that could potentially be, is that my future? Is that what, you know, is that what my, is that what being gay means? Um, you know, these are all, you know, questions I had as like a very young person. So then by the time Does I- Catholic stuff enter into that too? Like, you know, or or, or can you separate that? You know? Um, uh, I didn't feel, no, I didn't feel like judgment from the Catholic church. Like, I don't know why, I, <laughs> even though I was raised very Catholic and was an altar boy and went to Catholic school and all of that, like, I kind of was like, whatever. Um, when it came to- <laughs> Them saying, yeah. like, you're going to hell. I was like, cool, cool. Um, I didn't, <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't. Okay. Yeah, I okay, wasn't, thanks. I don't know. I wasn't super conflicted about that. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I think because in high school, and I, I wrote about this in my my first book, that, like, I had a handful of run-ins with some real grabby priests. Um, yeah. And, like, super hypocritical, like, clearly gay like obviously yeah. like gay priests that were like yeah. real fucking handsy. And so I kind by the time I was like graduating high school, I was like, fuck off. Um, like whatever they were saying about like, <laughs> we don't, sure. we, Sin we, and, we condemn yeah. that. I was like, sure you do. Yeah, um, sure you do. Like I remember going, I remember running into the president of my all boys Catholic school at like an after hours gay club in Omaha. And wow. he and he was wearing a fucking glow stick necklace around his neck. 
and he like he saw me and he was like, "Are you supposed to be in here?" I said, "I don't know, Father. Are you supposed to be in here?" Because like we, I had snuck in, and he, I was like, <laughs> "What the- fucking nerve!" I to know. Say to you, are you supposed to are be you, in you here? Know, I'm doing research <laughs> for my book on sin. I'm I'm preaching to these young men. <laughs> so yes, but it did take me. It was like not until. I was probably in my early twenties that then I like found my group of gays to hang out with in New York. And then mm-hmm. it be- and then it became fun. And I, you know, and I talk about it uh, in this book a little bit of, of, of finding, you know, going out to clubs and like finding bars to go to and having sex with people and dating people. And like that, I, there was a little bit of a delayed um, adolescence when it came to that stuff. I was like into my twenties yeah. before I found that. And then by the time I hit Broadway, that whole group of people, that's a real fun, that's a fun place to be, you know, young and gay is Broadway. Yeah, I bet. It's Broadway. I, bet. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, if I had it all to do over. Yes. Uh, to you be know. a young gay chorus yeah. boy. um did you you mentioned it in the book kind of that you had difficulty you and you said you found your group of gays yeah and you know and did you not and it seems like you had mostly female friends prior to that yes that is correct yeah Yeah. and is that do you think that's a common thing with young gay kids in smaller towns and and what is there something that's keeping you from being friends with i mean boys you know with boys, um, gay or straight, I think some of it is uh, is the fear of being like found out. Um, yeah. I think I learned pretty early that you know hanging out with with other boys and not you know being that athletic, not being um, you know not being like a typical little boy. I mean the yeah. word the word faggot starts getting thrown around pretty quickly. Um yeah, it sure does. So then I was like, mm, especially in like the 80s and the 90s, I was like, okay. So I learned that and I was lucky that like in my small Catholic school there it turns out were two other gay boys and so the three of us became like a little gay clique. And oh, would, wow. would talk about like Kids Incorporated and Knots Landing and, you know, <laughs> we're, we're quite popular Kids in our own right. <laughs> and my, I, I, my wife is, my wife is almost like just about 10 years younger than me and Kids Incorporated has come up, you know, she, I, she mentions it at least once every couple of weeks. There's well, a, something I, like, oh, she was on Kids Incorporated or, yes. you know, or she'll send me clips from Kids Incorporated, which just... <laughs> It seemed like such a like a factory oh to my like God. making you know weird little showbiz kids that don't fit anywhere in the world. So strange. Well, I would be happy to talk to your wife anytime about kids incorporated. <laughs> anytime she wants to talk I about know. it, she re- she remembers the personalities, the names. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, oh, sure. Yeah. Well, Fergie, Fergie was on right, not the Duchess of York, but the right. um. Black Eyed P. Black Eyed Fergie. Fergie. Yeah. She was on Kids Incorporated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. It's so, such a strange Success. Thing. And Jennifer Love Hewitt <laughs> and Mario Lopez. Like, there were oh, some, yeah. some people came out of Kids Incorporated. Right, right, right. It was fertile ground. <laughs> if only you could have been there, you oh. know, then maybe you would have made something of yourself. Don't you think I didn't want that? I mean, I that and the new Mickey Mouse Club. I was like, please 
baby Jesus, if there's some way for me to get on the new Mickey Mouse Club, it never happens. Yeah. But God, that was another one. That was another one. That was a Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Carrie uh, Russell. Wasn't, wasn't Christina Aguilera? Yep. in that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was on there. I mean, there's a lot of of people. Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Oh, right. I would love to um, see a reunion of the new Mickey Mouse Club, if anyone could put that together. Because I oh, know for every, like, shiny, shiny example of stardom there is, there are some kids who also fell through the cracks. And I would love to catch up with all of them. You know, I just want to see where <laughs> everyone is. How's everyone doing? <laughs> yeah, put put, yeah, you put your Justin Timberlake in the same room with, like, one of his co-stars who's now managing a Friday's. Yeah. You know, I, I want to, yeah, that would be interesting. And I want to do it like, you know, like Andy Cohen style, um, you know, just couches and people really just like going at it, like just have at it, <laughs> just have at each other. Let's get them all out there. I'm happy yeah. to host. I'm happy to watch whatever it takes. <laughs> Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? But working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my loves a uh, well, you started you started to get some well, I mean touring shows. You yeah. were like in Jersey Boys and stuff like that. Which by the way, how did you take to life on the road? Like was it one nighters or were you going somewhere and staying for a few months yeah. or weeks? I did so the first tour I did was um Pokemon Live. Okay. Um, which was uh very not fun. Um it was it was mostly it was I was 21 at the time though. So I was like whatever. Yeah. We started at Radio City and we did like 6 weeks at Radio City which was seemed cool. Wow. Um or maybe it was like whatever it was. It was like 4 weeks, 6 weeks something like that. And then we uh and then we went on this tour which was mostly one week sit downs, which is pretty cushy. And then it became like split weeks where we were doing like, you know, two nights in Duluth and then driving to like Moline and then driving to like, like, then, then it started to get a little, that was not great. But years later when I was doing Jersey boys on tour, that was like the cushiest tour ever because you sat down Uh for like a month in every city So, you know, a month in Chicago and a month in San Francisco. And like, that was pretty easy. And then we did four months in Toronto. So like that tour, I I liked touring a little bit. Like I I learned a lot sort of opening a show in every city and, and they were skills that um, I didn't know I would need, but then like became very useful when I started, 
you know, even still doing publicity for stuff, like a lot of that is is stuff that I learned on tour of yeah, like how yeah. to do Wake Up Cleveland and, you know, you're doing like a cooking segment, but also talking yeah. about Frankie Valley. It's, yeah. um, <clears throat> there's not yeah, a- because cl- nobody teaches you how to do that. There's not a class for that. And you're, yeah. it's 5 a.m. and you're, you know, singing on local television. It's like, that's, yeah. that's tough. But, um, and it's a big part of what you do, especially like for television. If you get a job, you, you know, you study acting, you study performing, you study auditions, you study, you know, you might even be sort of like knowledgeable about the production of a television show, which informs your acting skills. And then all of a sudden it's like, uh, here you go. Here's, you know, uh, like they call them satellite interviews for yeah. people that don't know. Here's 10 different morning hosts, one after the other. Oof. Be charming and funny to them, you yeah. know? That was that was a real, I remember doing those in San Francisco for Jersey Boys. And it's like specifically, like it was the first time I had ever done anything like that. And they, the guest before us on many of these, on these shows was the guy who ran the Bunny Ranch. <laughs> Oh right, Dennis something was his name. I think yeah, he's yeah. since passed away, but he he has yeah he was promoting the the show uh, on HBO, which I think was called Cat House, and then it was like the boys from Jersey Boys, um, and it was such a weird. I was like, how do we transition out of this? Like, how do we get from? I don't know. It was like it was that learning how to do that and those, especially the 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 really loud morning shows where it's like yes. you just hear like animal noises and car horns and like there's all sorts of sound effects and shit. And you're like, what the hell is happening? Yeah, yeah. And you just yeah, have the to, ra- especially the radio. Oh the radio my god, ones, the radio know, ones. It's are, like you know, like you know, big man and booger or whatever. You know, like just <laughs> awful, awful people yep. that come on like. Yeah. Hey, buddy. It's no. usually like two horrible men and then like yes. big big man and booger and Lindsay. And you're yeah. like at some like. He just giggles. Yeah. She's like a nice woman who like tries to answer, you know, asks the questions and <laughs> the other guys. Tries to just, humanize the big man and the oh, booger. And the booger. Yeah. So that yeah. was, uh, that was, a, but it was a good lesson. Very good lesson. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you kind of, you know, you were making your living. Be you know you you quit that Pokemon uh, <laughs> directing job for yeah. a good reason because yeah. you were making a living, but you but Book of Mormon is what really yeah that planted changed. you in the public consciousness, and I'm wondering are there is there like specific ways that that like when you realize like oh shit, I'm a, it's different now yeah you know? yeah when I mean the people that were coming to see the show. Uh, the celebrities that were coming, the actors, the directors, the writers, the like that really sort of um, was very eye opening. The fact that every yeah. every night we were meeting people, and all of a sudden Josh and I are getting like you know taken out to dinners, and and that was uh, moved very quickly and was really heady. And then when the the you know requests you know to come to Los Angeles to meet with you know showrunners and producers and um, that was also really I I I don't want to say that I wasn't prepared for it it just like <laughs> and it sounds silly to say it it happened so quickly because it was like twelve years after I moved to New York yeah but, yeah yeah but just with like the opening of one show that all of a sudden it was like and now you're gonna go to L A and you're gonna meet with these people and you know the hope is that you get you you know end this trip with a pilot and and you know there was just definitely 
it's like the all, the finish line sort of moved very quickly, and all of a sudden, I was I had I was developing like a new skill set of how to take general meetings, which I had never done before, and like didn't yeah. know what the hell I was talking about, and oh. and luckily. I had, I mean, the other crazy thing that happened right after we opened the Book of Mormon was that this young woman named Lena Dunham, um, you know, asked if I would be a part of this television show that she was doing that nobody really mm-hmm. knew anything about. And so I we filmed the first season of Girls um, while I was still in the Book of Mormon. And... Uh, and then I went away to LA after we finished that just for a week. I took a week's vacation and like took a bunch of meetings and I stayed with Lena while she was editing the first season. And she sort of talked me through general meetings cause she had just done it all after she released tiny furniture, which, you know, got her girls. And, yeah. um, so she, I was so, I'm so grateful to her that I was staying with her and she would sort of coach me through all of these meetings. I'd be like, this is my list of of all and I just gotten my I, I had, had signed with Jimmy Miller you know mm-hmm. Jimmy Miller he's it, a he's a manager he's a manager here. and represents a lot of comics and actors and writers and so I was working with him and he and he and Christy Smith you know, my manager still like they set up all these meetings and um so every night Lena would we, we would go through and she'd be like okay well I don't know this person I do know who that is and like you just have to be you know, we would sort of talk about what I was going to wear, what I was going to talk about, what I was going to, you know, her, her other funny piece of advice that I write about in this book is she was like, everyone's going to offer you water. They're going to give you a water bottle. And so just take the water every, at every meeting, just say, thank you. I'll have a water. And yeah. it's, she was like, it's the water bottle tour. Like, that's what this, that's what this is. <laughs> and she was right. Like in the back of my Chevy you know, cobalt that I had rented for the week. It was just littered with like every kind of bottled water you could possibly have. Yeah. She was like, take the water, just do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask for anything else. Don't ask for a coffee. Yeah. Don't ask for. Don't drink it. Don't drink for it. God's sakes, don't it. drink it. Just take it and take it with you. Take the water. Yeah. So that, that was the, in you know, that was sort of the moment that I knew I was like, oh, the Book of Mormon really changed everything. Like this is. Yeah. This is pretty nuts all of a sudden. Yeah. Well, it was, I mean, it's, uh, it's, you know, when, when you think about like, what are the things I've laughed hardest at? And it's, it's one of the things wow. I've laughed. Yeah. It's such a funny show. I, 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 I got to see you in it Yeah, in New York. Yeah. I took my, my, I took my son and I got to see you in it. But that night, uh, Josh's understudy was on, uh, whose name I don't remember, but I was, uh, his name was he, his, you know, his name was Jared Gertner. Um, yeah, very very. He ended up taking over for Josh. Yeah, he took, yeah. he played the role. Um, yeah, super. Yeah, Josh. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just and Josh was going through the same thing that I was going through. Like, yeah, yeah. We both, I think we we both left that show. We left at the same time to go both shoot pilots for NBC. We left the show at the same time when those pilots got picked up. Um, we went back to New York after our shows were canceled. Um, you know, it was wow. like we went through that whole experience together of like 
having, you know, I, I, yeah, I just, and it's, it's why it's, you know, we're still very close and I'm, we're doing a show together on Broadway this fall called Gutenberg, the musical. And it's, yeah, the, I it's, wanted to talk about that. Yeah. It's the first time that we've worked together since the book of Mormon. And we've, we've done little things here and there, but like, this will be the first time and it's Josh's first time back on Broadway. So, um, I, I mean, I couldn't be more excited about it, but it's, um, it's, it's pretty, uh, I mean, it's, it's just amazing that, you know, 12 years later, we get this opportunity to come back and do a show together um, yeah. while the Book of Mormon is still running on Broadway, oh, wow. by the way. So it's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a strange, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a nice feeling to know that that legacy continues. It's also weird to think that like, oh yeah, we started that and the ki- the people who were playing those parts were probably like 10 when, yeah, yeah. when the show opened. Fuckers. Those fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell me how that came about. Like, what did somebody have the show Gutenberg? Did you guys say, "Hey, we should develop something to do for ourselves"? Well, we had we had been Josh and I had both sort of been independent. I mean, we had have talked about doing things together for for many many years, and we both are a huge fan of um, of Alex Timbers, the director Alex Timbers, and and had both been sort of pursuing him separately and, about different projects. And then Alex came to us with a, a show called Gutenberg. The Musical written by um, Scott Brown and Anthony King that that had been produced off Broadway many years ago, and, and that he Alex was a part of, and he was like, I think, I think this is the thing for both of you. So we both read it and we're like, this seems you know hilariously funny. We we put together a reading of it here in Los Angeles um, in March of 2020. Um, and like we, to just get interest just fundraising to, kind of, it thing. was more, it was just sort or of just big, to see it. It was just for us to sort of work through it. And yeah. so we did it and we sort of tried it on for size and we were like, this is this, I, we both really liked it. And we, we found some producers and, and then Broadway shut down because of COVID and right. that all went away. And then, but we kept talking about it and we kept you know, Alex and Josh and I kept sort of, you know, speaking and, 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 um, you know, Scott and Anthony, we, we all talked about it. Uh, and then the timing just all kind of clicked together that this, this fall was going to be the time that sort of worked for everyone. And we did another reading of it. And, um, JJ Abrams has come on board also is, is our, um, as our producer. And, um, so yeah, so we're gonna, we're gonna take it to the Broadway now after, nice. after all and- of that. You play multiple characters, both of you, correct? We do. The show is, um, it's, I mean, I think it's hilarious. Um, it's two very well-meaning guys who want to write a, a show. They want to write a musical. And they think, they're big fans of musicals. They think they know what works. And what they think would work best is a musical about a historical figure. So they just kind of randomly pick Johann Gutenberg, the inventor mm-hmm. of the printing press. Yeah. And it turns out there's not much known about Johann Gutenberg. <laughs> so then they figure, fuck it, we'll just start making some stuff up. So they they create the show, you know, they're presenting it to an audience for the first time as sort of a backers audition. And they're going to they're going to try to find some producers. They've rented this Broadway theater for one night and they put all of their resources into this one performance of the show and they're going to try to sell the hell out of it. But the problem is they don't really have they don't have money for a full cast yeah. or a full band or a full set. So we're just kind of winging it. 
we're just kind of we're just kind of winging it, playing so, all the parts. So yourself. we get to play all of the parts, and they range from like children to old men to like it's um it's it's really fun, and I just get to you know fuck around with Josh Gad on stage for two hours. So yeah, that'll be nice. That sounds really nice. And and how long? How big a slot do you have for it to run in your schedule? Well, we'll be. Like, um, how long can you do it? It's it's twenty weeks, so we start uh-huh. uh, in September, and then we close January twenty eighth is our closing mm. date. So, so it's a nice, healthy twenty weeks to get in nice. there. You know, I think autumn in New York is always it's the best time. You know, Christmas the, time, beautiful the holidays. That holiday yeah. show schedule, yeah, yeah, that's nice. Well, is there is there a is there stuff that's kind of been left undone for you? I mean, what do you? What do you want to do, you know, in the future? Is it kind of just, you know, continue on the same track that you've set or? I mean, I, you know, it's, the short answer is I'm not, I'm not sure. And any time that I've tried to plan that I've like busted out a vision board and like, this is what's going to happen next. It's never quite worked out the way that I thought. And I think like the best example of that is, is getting to write these books and, that I, I, you know, wrote a book a few years ago called "Too Much Is Not Enough," and and the fact that I was given another opportunity to write a second book, you know, that just Uncle of the Year that just came out, like that's not something that I ever thought I would get the chance to do. And mm-hmm. I'd always loved writing, and I loved to write, and I was always very nervous to share anything um, I had written, and then slowly was kind of you know coaxed out of that by various people, and. Um, you know, so that was a really that was a big surprise that I got that I got to do that. So yeah. I don't I don't quite know what's next because, as I said, you know, usually when you plan, it's a good way to to not have it go that way. So I don't know. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, definitely more writing and and coming back to Broadway after. I mean, the last Broadway show I did was was the Boys in the Band, um, and what was that? Two thousand nineteen, two thousand nineteen, eighteen. Well, something like that. And uh well, if it was pre-COVID. Yeah. Pre-COVID. Yeah. I think it was 18. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's been this has been a very long time since I've been back on yeah. Broadway. So I'm and that, very excited. You met you met uh your partner Tuck Watkins. Yeah, at that Boys in Band. In that point. And Tuck and I I've known I knew Tuck years ago when I first came to LA. Yeah. And um and I'm wondering because he has kids. He does. He and has two kids. What's that what's that been like for you, you know, to kind of um be dad's boyfriend? Yeah. I mean, it's not anything that I had sort of again, had sort of seen uh on the vision board that I would be mm-hmm. dating somebody with with 10-year-old twins. Um yeah. and it certainly comes with, you know, challenges as you know with children. It turns out sure. turns out kids have minds of their own. Mm. And they have a lot of fucking opinions. Yeah, and they sure do. <laughs> they can they can be real assholes. I'll they, say it. They can, can be real assholes. Uh, and then they can be great. Um, they can be the best. Yes. Yeah. I so mean, they so are yeah. the best. That's that's the 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 lead sentence. But then you know, in there's like, yeah, but there's occasionally flashes occasionally, of asshole. Yeah, you know. And I know, and I and I talk about it in in Uncle of the Year that like I have ten nieces and nephews, and I like to think of myself as someone who can like be cool and relate to kids. And it's doesn't like my skill set does not always work. Um, right. Right. Yeah. I'm not always thinking that 
thinking that usually means that it's wrong. Not happening. The people that really can do that, they don't, you know. No. They don't, no. you know. Yeah. But it's, so yeah. yes, there's been, there was a steep learning curve when we started, um, when we started dating. And I think we've now, um, I feel like sort of found, found a rhythm, at least for the moment, you know, they're, you know, the kids are 10 years old, they're 10 year old twins. Um, so they're also on the cusp of like, you know, becoming little tweens with, you yeah. know, all sorts of different, you know, things going on. So, um, but right now going well we'll see how um i feel like i might be good with teenagers i don't know i don't know <laughs> just i don't sure. you know i don't know if anybody's good with teenagers <laughs> to be i think i might be good with good with teenagers from like the 90s yeah but <laughs> i think sometimes the point of teenage years is like like you're just not as a parent you're just not going to avoid being an being a jerk you know like being yeah. the problem like you're the problem, Dad. Like, all right, I'll just I guess I'm the problem for a few years and you just hope that it doesn't last more than a few. My God. I so. remember years ago being at my friend Jenny Connor's house. I don't think she would mind me telling the story, but um she was and she a, was a, a she was exec- a producer on girls. Yeah, yeah. She was a co showrunner and executive producer and we were at her house here in LA in between seasons and her daughter, who I think at the time must have been like eleven had some sort of fit about something and ran up to her room and went, you bitch, and slammed the door about Jenny. And Jenny just very calmly, she looked at me and said, well, that happened sooner than I thought it would. (laughs) 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 Like, she knew it was going to come at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 11, she was like, eh, maybe. (laughs) But at some point it was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I mean, my... My 17-year-old daughter, I, you know, when she was young, I, you know, she learned the, she learned the phrase, uh, negotiations are closed at a very oh, early age. Wow. You know, from me, just like, I, I'm not going to repeat myself anymore. And, and I would always say, like, I don't worry about her ability to advocate for herself. That's good. Which was uh, like a way of saying, like, I think that this will serve her well, but it is currently making my life miserable. <laughs> Um, you know, so it's, you have to, you have to like pull out the, the good points of what is the, the, the tedium and the anxiety of your current time is like, yes, but this will all be, this is good for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Long-term. That's good. It's a good quality. Yeah. Well, speaking of long-term, um, the, the, you know this this podcast is the the final question of the three questions, which I think we've covered. The other two um, is is what have you learned? And I mean, do you have? I mean, I'm sure that you get. Do you have advice for young performers? Or do sure, you have sure. advice for you know young men or device uh, advice for you know whatever kind of? I mean, is there something that you really feel that you've you've pulled from your experiences that's easily shared? Um, I think I wasted a lot of time, especially in my early and mid twenties, being jealous of other people, um, particularly professionally being jealous of what other people had, what other people are doing, um, wanting to try to, you know, be like somebody else, you know, in order to achieve some level of success. Um, and it wasn't until I was like 30 into my early thirties that I figured out like, just how to relax into what I do um, yeah. and realizing that like, I, I got to keep my eyes on my own paper 
and not yeah. and not try to keep up with whoever is around me. And I, yeah. I mean, and it's easier said than done because I still, you know, I'll still see billboards here in LA and be like, why the fuck is he in that? Like I, you know, that still comes it up. It never ends. It never ends. <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not trying to say like, oh, I've healed myself. It's not that. Yeah. But those moments are fewer and short lived. Like yes. I don't flip off as many billboards as I used to. Um, while driving here, <laughs> that guy, like, I don't, I yeah. don't, that doesn't happen as often. So I feel like that's well, growth, Andy. I feel like it, that's It certainly growth. is because you can't, first of all, that kind of professional envy, uh, you know, it happens in every, sure, you know, every <clears throat> category. But like, if you're, you know, if you're selling office machinery, there's no billboards with the guy that sells more <laughs> office machinery than you. You know, ours is yeah. just particularly in your face about yeah. what you didn't get. Yeah. But I feel like that envy is, A, it's natural. It is a bit of an engine, like mm-hmm. to keep, you know, to keep you going. Totally. And so I always just feel like you got to just feel it for a minute and then let it go because it's – it exists. It's yeah. it's it's almost kind of worth it to feel it. Um, I mean, certainly early on, like it did propel me forward. Um, yeah, and it did keep me sharp and keep me trying. And yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I I do feel like a certain amount of that is is important, and it's still important. It's I think it yeah. it, it helps your ambition along and and keeps you learning new skills. And um, but I think I I take. Uh, I take other people's successes less personally now, yeah. which I spent yeah, yeah. a lot of time feeling it as like some sort of direct assault on me. Yeah. If someone, yeah, yeah. if someone did something better yeah. than I did or got something, like I took it personally. Now I realize the longer you stick around, it's like everybody kind of gets a turn at some point if you're lucky yeah. and like yeah. things float up and down and, you know, you're lucky just to like be in the mix, quite honestly. So like if you stick around long enough, like you're going to get some, you're going to hit some high moments and you're going to watch other people hit high moments. And um, that's it, but it's not personal. You can't take it personally. Right. right but, right. but you know, it, for a different podcast, maybe we can compare our lists sometime of <laughs> our, our hit list. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew Rannells, thank you so much uh, for taking the time oh my to be God. on this. It was great, great to talk to you. It's great to talk to you too, and I, um, I hope I see you around the neighborhood. Yeah, you probably will. Yeah, see you on the streets. There. See you on the streets. <laughs> All right. Well, thank, thank you, you so again. much for having me. Thank you again, Andrew, and uh, check out the new book, Uncle of the Year, and go to the new show, uh, Gutenberg the Musical. That's right. And and then I want all of you out there to tune in to here uh, next week where I will have another episode of this podcast. And thanks for listening. And ta-ta. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco production. It is produced by Sean Doherty and engineered by Rich Garcia. Additional engineering support by Eduardo Perez and Joanna Samuel. Executive produced by Nick Liao, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, with assistance from Maddie Ogden. Research by Alyssa Grawl. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to The Three Questions with Andy Richter wherever you get your podcasts. And do you have a favorite question you always like to ask people? Let us know in the review section. Can't you tell my love's a-growing? Can't you feel it ain't showing? Oh, you must be a-knowing.
This has been a Team Coco production. Justin and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.